Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. Normally, I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. But this week, we're bringing you the continuation of a very special interview. In July, I had the very great privilege to attend Anya Barron's annual international workshop. Anya Barron is a superb classical trainer, and she is unbelievably generous in sharing her work. What I appreciate so much about the way she has her workshop set up is day by day she takes us through her training progression, beginning with the young horses so we can see the starting steps of the training. And then each day we see how the different gymnastic exercises are taught and how they are applied to the individual needs of each horse. For this year's workshop, I was traveling with a group of nine clicker trainers. We stayed together in a holiday house, sharing meals and lots of laughter and some really great discussions. Towards the end of the week, as a special treat, Anya set aside some time in the evening to sit down with us to answer questions. Last week was part one of this interview. We began with the most basic of questions, what is classical dressage? And we went on from there to talk about balance and how good training can improve the overall well-being of the horse. All week we were watching examples of this. Anya presented her senior horses, horses who were in their mid to late 20s, who were just breathtaking to watch. She presented different breeds of horses, the Iberic horses, Lusitanos, Frisians, Arabs, Lipizzaners, Halflingers, a gorgeous Akaltiki, and some horses of other breeds that I had never even heard of. Every horse was treated as an individual. The horse's needs, physical and emotional, were assessed and the training was adjusted for each horse. Some of the most interesting horses to watch were a cohort of young warmbloods. These were truly breathtakingly gorgeous horses. There's no question the German system produces outstanding athletes, horses who have everything they need to become top performance stars. Everything, that is, except time. Anya was very blunt during the workshop when she talked about the production system that starts horses too young and pushes them too far too fast for the stallion testing. These horses are started as yearlings and two-year-olds and asked to do way too much for their young bodies. Anya presented three warm bloods that are in long-term training with her. One is a mare named Amazing Grace, who had become a dangerous bolter. The other two horses had made it through the stallion selection trials with top ratings, but they were so badly damaged by being ridden so hard at such a young age, they could not go on. They had become unrideable because of lameness issues and behavioral problems. One of these stallions, Anya rescued, just a day before he was going to be shipped off to slaughter. It's heartbreaking when you hear stories like this. 
And I know these stories resonate with so many of us. We've all read Black Beauty when we were little. And if you're like me, you cried when Ginger died. We feel heartsick when we hear of the many thousands of horses who each year are sent off to auction and many to slaughter. Anya is not just training horses to a high standard at her barn. She's working to help change the system, which doesn't give these beautiful horses time to grow up. And through her training, she is making a statement that it doesn't have to be this way. Yes, the end result of good training can wow an audience, but first and foremost, good training must be for the horse. In last week's podcast, we talked about what classical dressage means to Anya. This week, we're going to pick up with a question about these young warmbloods and what Anya hopes to achieve by working with them. So this week, we had the very great privilege of watching you present some of your senior horses who are just beyond breathtaking, beyond breathtaking. But you also showed us some of the young horses, and I'm thinking in particular the warm bloods. And these are not horses, the ones that you presented, who have just been sent to you out of the field, untouched horses. These are horses that are coming from a system that is damaging horses. Some of what you talked about is just, when we saw how beautiful those horses are, and also the stories behind them. It's heartbreaking. Yes, yes, it is, because they are coming out of a system producing horses. And that's something very difficult, because even if I would work there, and you work with a horse, and with every horse, sooner or later, you have problems. Doesn't mean that the horse is against you or a fight, but you think, Ah, with this horse the flying change is really difficult or this, ah, the Piaf is not as I thought and always something. And um, if you work in a stud and you have always the next generation waiting, you maybe you ride the horse from three to four or three to five and then you oh, now starts to be difficult. Ah, but there's a three years old. He looks much better. He moves better. I start with him. And of, of course you start with him and it's better. It's more easy. So you forget the old one and you take the new one. And this is, I think, th that's the main reason for the problems we have because nobody has um, to go really deep inside of the problem. Like this, the writers don't develop also because they don't go into the problem. They will never experience how they can solve something or how they should continue because the next one is waiting there. That's the problem. And everybody uh, is behind the system because if you produce horses, it's good. If when they are five or six, nobody can ride them, they buy another one, very good. The breeder wants to sell. The, the teachers, they tell you, ah, this horse is too difficult, so buy another one. So they get also their, their sense. So then you need maybe the vet, because now the horse is lame, there's something, okay, the vet says, good system. Then you need the osteopath, a good system. Ah, maybe the horse is good, it's just the reason the saddle doesn't fit. Okay, the saddle fitter is happy because she cannot ride the horse. Maybe we try the third and fourth saddle, maybe it helps. So he wins a lot of money. So everybody 
likes the situation because for everybody is a win-win situation just for the horses is really sad that's the problem that's the problem yeah one of the things that is so refreshing to hear is that you do not have horses here for a month two mm -hmm. months that your training unfolds over years today you showed us the progression of teaching the Spanish walk. And that's not, well, this horse is doing it this way today and tomorrow it'll look like the next horse. Mm -hmm. And then in three days, it'll look like the next mm -hmm. horse. It unfolds over a long period of time. And that's something I think is really important for people to hear. Mm -hmm. Yes, but that I had from the beginning, um, that I had, uh, for example, the circus is my best client for is now for almost 30 years that I got the horses very young the three years old and they always have been here minimum six years some of them eight years or so and um, there the pressure came from outside don't work fast because the boss of the circus when I said a six years old makes a flying change is a little bit early no <laughs> so it's the contrary of all other owners because normally they put you under pressure and now this I have three months and money is gone and da 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 and there it was always the contrary we want a horse really uh, good trained slow trained we want to use it when he's more than 20 years old and the horse is um, the the material we work with so handle it with care and so on so um, that was one thing and I still have horses of them and I get all the time I need if I say after six years no not possible okay you stay and um, that's one thing and um, yes I have now horses of one state stud also they also have been here now for three years uh, that's good and I have some owners uh, I started to ride the horses and then they went away but they returned because is as we said in the beginning, not only the training is also the care for the horses. And they discovered here when we go at midnight through the stables and see if one has maybe colic or something is the shit in the water or something, you always find something by night. And then they feel better. So all of them returned. So I have clients here for 25 years or so. And uh, that's one uh, uh, that's a good way to work with the horses because you know them from beginning to end or the horses for the circus they go to the circus work there 10 12 15 years and then they return here when they are old so it's nice you have all the circle of life here uh, that's good and um, what we do a lot on the other side is breaking in horses for owners in three months and they go away but um, now we don't um, want to work horses for clients anymore. We stopped this just maybe for one or two, but we stopped with training uh, other horses. We just stay with the circus and the state stud and uh, some horses of the foundation to really be able at the end to show a very, very good work. And um, I think that's really important nowadays to show one thing is the process, but to show at the end also results. And with the quality of horses we have now, we can show results, hopefully. Yes. I yes. think so. Yes. <laughs> and so, so 
to conclude because you've been so generous sharing your time. Um, I have time. You have time? <laughs> oh, oh, that's dangerous. So, then, so, because everyone had questions. So is there, does anyone else want to take the hot seat? Yes. I'll hold it. Um, so Anya, we, like over the last few days, we've seen you working with a lot of different horses with a lot of different problems. Um, some obviously man-made, but um, obviously a lot of horses come with a weakness or more than one. Mm -hmm. I think for some of us, you know, we're average people, we have average horses. And I think one thing that I would like to understand or learn to do better is how do I choose exercises specific for the weakness of my horse? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Is it a difficult question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the weakness, maybe you have seen in the morning because we have the chance to have the hills. I often climb with the horses uh, up, a little bit down, up again. That's very good to make the horses strong, but also the lateral movements. But um, the best is you sit on your horse and you feel on which rein you have more weight, against which leg he makes more pressure. And then you make for this horse a special uh, gymnastic program. And the truth is with a good gymnastic, the horses, they come into a very good um, condition. They get very fit because when I will explain you how this works because that's really interesting. We have the Arabs here to train them for the testosterone. stallion. And normally you make a lot of condition work, galloping outside and so on and so on. We make mostly our gymnastic. And the point is now, these horses, they know to use or handle their bodies much better than the stiff horses. So the stiff horses, they need to run, run and get hard and lung and everything. My horses, they have a good condition, but they don't need so much heart and lung and all this because they use their body in much more lightness and balance. So it's not so hard for them to make two kilometers of galloping because one of them was on a cross country test some weeks ago. And I said, and the condition, because I wasn't sure, ah, was brilliant, he can do it three times more. And there were others, they came to the final <laughs> like this, because for them, a stiff body, to handle a stiff body is very hard, even if you have a good trained heart. So it's really complicated for the horses. It costs them, and to jump, it costs them. These horses, they jump, is nothing for them, because they are strong enough, elastic enough, supple enough, mobile enough, and they have training and that is also something I prefer to train the horse every day, every day, maybe one hour, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes some days only 20 minutes, but they are always doing something and this is much better than some people. They have no time, they don't work and then, oh, we have a test. So in four weeks, they try to put the horse on a top level every day a little bit more. They even say it's a training program. So they start with 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, then two hours. At the end, the horse really makes a lot of work, two or three hours and then suddenly nothing. And I think this is hard for the horses, even for the tendons, for the muscles and all. But as our horses, they are always on a good level because they are always working. And um, so I can just tell you, 
listen to your horse, give him the gymnastic he needs and do it every day. If you do it just 20 minutes, it's also something, but don't do for weeks nothing. That's not good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to carry on from Ingrid's question because it's the same kind of thing. It's working at home on your own without a trainer that really follows that process. How do you evaluate if you're making progress or not? You know, because it's, it's hard. Yes, but you should feel the lightness, no? If your horse gets lighter, more mobile. If your horse it looks tired and lazy, it's always a sign of being stiff and the muscles don't work. And if a horse is always lazy and doesn't want to move, sure, there's something not okay. Because a horse is a moving animal. They like to run and to jump and so on. So more your horse gets uh, happy when he sees he's he can move and jump and run and more fine he is, you are on the right way. More stiff and lazy and tired he is, there's something not okay. Okay. So in the clicker training, I've always said it would take a community to bring clicker training into the horse world. And over the years, we have now developed a community of clicker trainers. And we are a community that loves horses. So are there things that we as a community can do to help support your work and the keeping alive cl real classical dressage and training that is truly for the horse? I think um, it's already helpful if you spread the word uh, a little. That's already uh, would be very good. And um, yes, I think it would be good for the horses, but um, at the end is not as easy because classical dressage is something really wonderful, good for the horses, best experience for humans, but um, it's very, how can I explain, it's very demanding. So if you say you want to ride classical, uh, you need a lot of, um, you have to do for yourself a lot of things to be straight, to be strong, to build up muscles, to be disciplined, to be calm if the horse makes 100 times the same mistake. Yes, uh, so it costs a lot, makes you another person. And I understand if not everybody wants, it's, it's a long maybe never-ending way and um, not an easy way. So I understand if people say this is too much for me and uh, I don't know and every day the horses and um, so it's very demanding and uh, needs a lot of uh, learning, reflection. Uh, you, I ask myself 10 times a day, is this the right or try this or then you have to read sometimes maybe you find a solution in a book so it's nothing you do a little by side or you do it really or not i think so and um yes but it i think it would be helpful for the horses if we can spread a little the world and maybe give another sense to the people and even if they don't have the time to train the horses like that, maybe they can give it to somebody who knows and can profit of good lessons or something like that, because that's already for the horses. 
very important. One thing, we had that question yesterday and I just remembered. <laughs> so um, yes, there are your DVDs and your books and um, all of that is so perfect to have. But what if somebody hears this podcast now and says, wow, I want to take writing lessons in classical dressage. And a lot of us are from other countries. How do I find out that the person who says I'm teaching classical dressage really is a classical dressage teacher? Are there any points I can look for that helps me to determine whether or not that is the right person? Yeah. That's really a problem. I agree, big problem. So I think it's important to see the person right. And most important question is how many horses the person has trained and can you see some of the horses? Look to the horse's face, look to the legs, ask how old they are, ask what they are doing. And when he has several horses trained really from the basic to the top, it's already good. And when they are still healthy, it's already good because there are many, many traveling around and they never ride or have never trained a horse really from three years old to the end. And I think that's very important because of course there are many, they put this horse in Piaf and this in Spanish walk and this, but it's not the whole story. And um, it's important to have this experience of training with many, many horses from the beginning to the end to see really your results. Because maybe I put today a horse in Piaf, but two weeks later he's lame because there was missing something. no? And it's important to have the horses for a longer period to see really if the work is good. For example, the horse blind was now here in the arena, is 30 years old, arrived in my place when he was three years old. So spent all his life, he was never gone, not like the circus horses. He was always with me, he's still fit. And uh, if you look at his legs, he has super legs and he can move quite normally, he even makes gallop is 30 years old. And um, that, or if I look to Pau, or I have some others here, uh, Ole is 24. If I look to them, I know they are in a good shape and not only one, there are severals and others, they arrived here lame and then they've been healthy again. So then I know it was okay. And if you want to find a trainer, have an eye on this, on the horses he trained, how many, how they are. And that helps to decide if it's uh, a good, trainer maybe for you is <laughs> not always the trainer that seems to be for us the most comfortable <laughs> so the most gently and is <laughs> not always the best sometimes the good ones um, if they are really good horse trainers they are not so easy with the people sometimes so a person maybe more uncomfortable is often the better trainer so it's another thing <laughs> we should think about. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> I have many, 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 many questions, but I think we have indulged quite a bit. <laughs> and so we will have to save them for another time because they're, they're all the questions that relate to some of the things you were showing us today, such as why Piaf? You know, that it's not just for a competition. Mm -hmm. It is for the, mm -hmm. for the development of the horse's balance and, and uh, it's part of what keeps these horses um, in good condition. Maybe we should just, why not? <laughs> well, well, that's a good way to end, is, 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 is to talk a little bit about Piaf and, and Spanish.
Spanish walk and yeah. why all these exercises yeah. what a perfect place to stop this is such a key question but you know from the music that you're going to have to wait until next week to find out what Anya has to say but don't go away Dominique wasn't able to join us at the workshop but she's here now so Dominique I'm going to let you jump in with your comments I just love this, you know, that question about how to find a good instructor. I think I'm going to put this on my wall. I wish, you know, I wish I had known this at the very beginning of Cavalia. When she says, you know, look at the horse and ask someone how many horses have they trained? How many years have they spent? Where is the horse now? Is he still working? We had the good fortune of starting with people who cared about all these things. And I saw with my own eyes horses, the dressage horses who worked in their 20s and who were beautiful. You saw them, Alex, at the retirement farm. You saw how beautiful they still looked. And later in time, you know, there were other instruction instructors and I saw the difference. You know, and I saw how much shorter their lifespan was. What she's talking about, I experienced this. You know, as you know, I've seen many, many horses and all kinds of riders, some better than others. And absolutely what she's saying is so true. I have seen it over and over. Yes. And I think... Giving these guidelines, although I tell you, it'll be hard for you to find a good instructor because training horses, the same horse for many, many, many years in order to go deep into solving problems, I think that it's not that common. No, it isn't always what people do. Exactly. What she explained at the beginning of the podcast is very real. I mean, people are trying to make money. And so they will have a horse for a few months. When the person comes back and says, you know, it's the owner comes back and say, well, he's difficult. There's always another one waiting. Yes. I think for me, these guidelines, you know, is, is extremely useful. And I was really, really happy to, uh, to hear this because, you, you know, it's the same when people are looking for dog trainers, they don't when they, at the beginning, you know, by now, I would say, I'm very clear, you know, when I look at a trainer, it will take me just a few minutes to decide if a dog trainer is for me or not. But the horse trainers, it's more complicated, I find maybe dog trainers will say no, 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 you're wrong. It's more complicated than that. But uh, certainly, what we ask of the horses is so sophisticated and sometimes people can get results and very very quickly but sometimes it's at the it's it's at the price of the welfare of the horse at the expense of the horse at the yes. Expense, yes and we often get the words right and the actions wrong so true so you really have to look at is there a is there a philosophical match with this trainer with the actions, yes. Yes, yes. But does do the act correspond to the words? Yes. And am I comfortable? So one of my rules has always been that my horse 
should not have to go through any lesson that I am not comfortable watching. Now yeah. notice I don't say do because I might be taking my horse to a trainer because the trainer has greater skill in a particular area and I want this horse to have a really good experience working with somebody who has a, a skill level who's who's going to be clear and consistent etc cetera, etc cetera. and so I will have made the decision that it would be my horse would be better off learning from this person than having me fumble my way through it so I might say I've got a horse that I want to start under saddle and I want this horse to be confident going forward. And perhaps I'm thinking as a rider, I don't have the kind of confidence or seat to say to this horse, it's fine to just keep going forward. So I've chosen to go to a trainer. But I need to be able to watch what that trainer is doing and not feel as though I'm squirming. Yes. If I'm watching and going, oh, 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 my poor horse, then I need to, I need to be a champion for that horse and get up and say, oh, you know what? I've just forgotten that my horse and I have, have, I don't know, an appointment with the farrier and, 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 and we're going to be late. So I need to take my horse now, you know, to find some way of nicely, without creating trouble. Absolutely. Um, to, to protect your horse. But sometimes, Sometimes the words and the belief system of the trainer and your belief system all match up, and then you know you're in for a joyous time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast that it's not just the end result. And in this case, as Anya paints the end result, the end result is not just now, it's in future years, you know, how yes. it projects very far in the future, which is something certainly, it's, it's an important notion. But what we have talked about in the podcast is the teaching process, because what you get as a result today may be very nice to look at, because by now the horse has become very light. But how you got there, the teaching process is also extremely important. And sometimes that is not so pleasant to look at. And that's where, as you say, you need to become a champion for your horse and express, you know, your own ethics. And, and you know, because it's even if ethically, like philosophically, let's say you don't care so much, you know, if the results are good, you feel that it's good enough. Right. That what you actually want is the outcome. Is the outcome. I don't really care that much about how you get there. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad, right. let's say. Right. Let's say we're not talking about a horse that is completely abused. We're talking about training that some people consider normal training. You know, it's not abusive, it's normal training, and the outcome is pretty interesting. But what she is proposing to us is that if this horse, the way it was taught, if he was contracted throughout, if too much was asked too soon, that this horse will not be sound late into his life. This horse will have to stop earlier. And so that is another guide for us to evaluate if what we're doing is right. Yes, because good riding 
should help horses to stay sound. You've been saying that all along. <laughs> yes, yes. So you can see why I was so excited to be able to spend that week with Anya because I'm hearing the same thing. I can just picture you yes. with a big smile yes. from one side of your face to the other because yes. I know how important you've always felt this is. And, and to see it yeah. in horse after horse, different breeds, different backgrounds, and that she'll bring the old horses out. And I mean, these are horses that are in their late 20s, and they're just magnificent, just magnificent. And that the horses that she trains for the circus, and that can be a whole other discussion. I'm sure there are some people would say, circus, oh, that, that's automatically bad. But, and then you start to, to hear that these horses are in training with Anya for six years that's right. before they go to the circus. I mean, that's just incredible incredible and at the end of their life they're retired and they come back to her right right you know everyone should question themselves it's not just like you say it's not just about the circus everyone in every barn professional or not should ask these questions that she's pointing to us yeah and what do we do with our old horses you know when they have mm. when they have served us for a lifetime, what do we do? Do we give them a retirement or do we discard them? And have we discarded them when they were young because through the riding, we have damaged them? Part of my thinking was always, if it's true that riding damages horses, then we should not be riding. But thank goodness that good riding can heal horses. But good riding, you know, is is accessible it's accessible it is it is but it's there's a lot of bad writing around too so we have to stay this is why we have to educate ourselves you know right. like uh, the, the kind of uh, book and dvds that she's put out we've talked about this and we're going to talk about it again yes. later in the conversation but how to train how can we train ourselves to know the good right. from the less good and of course, the work that I'm teaching is really just a way of teasing apart what is good classical dressage into smaller components. Absolutely. That make and that so when I say it's accessible, that's what I mean. That that yeah. someone might say, Well, what am I supposed to do? I know. Anya's in Germany, I live in South Dakota or Australia right. or you know, upstate New York, wherever it is, I don't have access to someone of this skill level. And what? furthermore, there's only one Anya. So there isn't there. She couldn't possibly train all the people who would love to be to learn from her. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough horses to ride. But so what can we do? Well, part of the answer sits in what we are sharing, which is through yeah. the clicker training, we can break this training down into very, very small steps. And each one of those small steps is achievable. That's right. Yes, so you can be a very inexperienced rider, handler, horse person with just the horse you love and have in your backyard and achieve great things. So I'll tell you something, Alex, about you. And I've never said that this way to you. But, you know... Um, 
In the classical dressage, in French, they always talk about la légèreté. Yes. Which is, you know, when you want the aids to be really, really fine, la légèreté. And so you look at a rider and you barely see anything moving and the horse is doing all these wonderful things. That's la légèreté. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, when I saw you do rope handling, for me, I think I understood more about la légèreté looking at you rope handling a horse from point A to point B, asking little things than I ever had in all the years. I've seen people ride. I read about this. It was so eye-opening for me to see how, when she talks about influencing, and she, she talked about this in the previous podcast, that the influence of the bit should be only in milligrams, not in kilos. Well, the same for everything, you know, everything should be in milligrams. And when I was looking at you, handle the horses with an awe and you explaining all your rope handling, I saw what la légèreté was. Wow. Wow. That's quite an honor. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's big words. Yes. It's the most important yes. word in classical dressage, really. And it was very eye-opening for me to look at you work. So yeah, it is it is accessible. And I remember when we first Yeah, at first I thought oh so many yes. details, come on. But now, you know. I know, because I remember when I first started wor working with the horses. And and I think also you were, you know, it's like she's using a lead rope. We want liberty work. Yeah, and I love you know how I love liberty. I love liberty because I've been sensitized in a way to too much pressure, and so I like to see what the horses do at liberty. Although, again, people should be very critical because, you know, the liberty training, it can be pretty, uh, it, can, it can be pretty stressful for a right. horse. So, again, keep your critical mind always um, and look beyond the words. Yes. It may be that you're facing someone like Anya, where, as you say, the words match the actions yeah. and that there's a, 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 a lot of knowledge and refinement. But sometimes people use the same words that they heard, but the rest is not following. Right. And Liberty training covers such a huge gamut. Yeah. When I'm working horses at Liberty, I love to imagine or feel or I'm thinking about what it would feel like if I had a lead rope, mm -hmm. if I had reins. But of course, the reins are invisible because I'm working at Liberty. And when I'm working with a lead, I want to imagine how light it would be if I were at Liberty. So they, they, they definitely, for me, Liberty work and working in hand, they're basically the same one and one improves the other just as riding is just groundwork where you get to sit down and groundwork is riding where you get to stand up that liberty training is all part of that it's a triangle and it makes it makes everything stronger but then there is liberty work that yes the horse is at liberty but why that horse stays connected with you maybe for very different reasons oh, yes. from the reasons that he stays yeah. connected to someone who's clicker training. So we always have to define because as soon as you say liberty work, the pictures that conjures in, so all the people who are listening to this, the pictures that it conjures for each person will be so dependent upon 
what they've seen, what they've experienced, what they do. So what I say liberty work, it may be a completely different picture from when somebody else says liberty work. And that's the same thing with the rope handling. That when I say, oh, I use a lead rope, if someone has seen what their idea of using a lead rope is lead ropes that are being uh, swung at a horse and the lead rope that, you know, where where your the horse does something you don't quite like and the lead rope does a quick jerk on the, the horse's nose to correct that. And they're going to be having this picture and they're going to be saying, I, I you know, I don't, I don't want anything to do with lead ropes because my pictures are pictures of horses being hurt. And so the totality of my experience with ropes is horses being forced to do things. But then if you've had a different experience when you've seen the work in hand and you understand how it works and you've done some of the exercises where you've held the horse's end of the lead rope so you can feel what it's like from the horse's perspective and you feel how inviting it is and you feel how safe you feel and that it becomes a dance and it's a wonderful dance, then it changes your whole perspective. And that's really what we're seeing with Anya and and her principal rider with Vera, that the the dance that occurs is just so beautiful because at the core, you know, Anya talks about this, the character of the horse is as important as everything yes. else. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love how she talks about when she goes through the barn and she's always acknowledging the horses and she doesn't just walk through the barn. She addresses each horse. And like you, I have seen a great variety and a great, a wide spectrum of training. And yes, we do need to be really selective. And each person has to choose for herself what is a match currently, what's a good match for their own horse, what's a good match for how they want to work. And I think we just want to remember that there is a great deal of knowledge that sits in the horse world and that it is knowledge that is of great value. And that as we look forward with the clicker training and as we develop and we explore the science of it and we see where this amazing work can take us, yes. that we also want to remember that the what we are training is an important part of it and that people like Anya can provide us I think one of the great things that was of value is I know that so many of the people that I share the work with, I mean, I have clear pictures in my mind uh, because I've had the privilege of being able to see some truly great riding. And so I have in my mind, I know what Piaf and Passage and this gymnastics and these beautifully balanced horses, what it looks like. But when I'm teaching people who've never seen that, it's, okay, how do, how do I, it's like, how do I explain snow to somebody who's only lived in Florida? You know, how do you explain some things that are outside of people's experience and help them to reach for it 
Yeah, you know, now I can't remember in which podcast, in which part of the conversation it was, but when she said, what is balance? Yes. And I loved how she explained it in a nutshell. I think it's in the next interview. Balance? I think it's in part three. Maybe I shouldn't say it yet. Or maybe what we should do is say, what a great place to stop. <laughs> and we'll let people listen to part three. <laughs> okay. And we'll talk more about balance. So you're sure huh? it's in part three? I don't know. <laughs> but but we'll see. If... We'll talk about it again in part three. So people yes. will have to go listen to part three. And then for sure, we'll we'll come back with this notion of what is balance yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah, because it yeah. keeps it keeps coming back. And I think one of the great one of the great and I'll just finish my thought and then we'll let people go. But I think the one of the advantages of having people such as Anya Baron is that we can watch and see what some of this movement looks like. So to be able to see what a piaf mm -hmm. looks like, to see what passage looks like, piaf. a good piaf, mm -hmm. a correct piaf, mm -hmm. and that we'll definitely mm -hmm. talk about in the next one, because we'll be talking Absolutely. about, yeah. And that that's a huge advantage because then when you take, when you're out with your own horse and you are, working on some of some of the lateral work and so on that's so good for horses you've got a picture in your mind to compare to say this yeah. is what i'm reaching for and why and mm -hmm. i think that's really valuable yeah because how can you teach a movement if you don't have a clear picture in your mind right right you have to know what you want to train yes really clearly Especially since we are breaking it down in all these little steps. Right. Wow. Better be really clear on what the movement really should be looking like. Otherwise, when do you click? That's right. And, or when do you see that the next little piece is beginning to pop out? So It's coming. Exactly. So sometimes my role with, when I'm watching horses is to go, oh, there, there's, there's the next, oh, yeah. there's the next piece that you're going to be reaching for. There's the beginning of lateral work that just you just start to see it popping out, or there's a little mobilization that's happening in your horse's hindquarters that the person handling may have missed because they don't have these pictures. Yeah, and you know when sometimes she said this over already a couple of times when she said, "Don't ask something of a horse when he cannot do it in the moment." Yes. Well. One of the reasons why he cannot do perhaps this movement is because the weight is not on the right leg yet. Yep. But if you yep. don't know that, you may ask for something and he needs to rearrange himself be before he can do it to you. So yep. better to... That's the flow, the flow of the dance. Exactly. So if you're clear on what the movement really looks like, well, maybe you can ask him the right thing at the right moment. Right. And then we can go back to our own horses and say, okay, I don't sit on seven, eight horses a day, 10 horses a day. So I'm going to need to break this down into very small pieces, but I have the big picture. Mm -hmm. And so now with my clicker training, I'm going to take this and teach it in a way that is comfortable for me, works for my horse. Mm -hmm and ends up producing something that makes me smile. 
So I think what we'll do is we'll stop here and we'll pick up again after the end of part three of, on his workshop. Good idea. So we'll say goodbye for now.